Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Brittany Turner, founder and CEO of Aerial Development Group. Interested in philanthropy from an early age, Brittany and her friends created the social group BUMS, Bums, Bringing You My Savior, which supported fixing homes for the elderly. At just 21, Brittany founded Aerial with a mission to elevate people and places. Ten years later, she's formed multiple companies under the Aerial brand all accelerating the mission of empowering people, sustaining the planet, and utilizing capitalism as a force for good. Brittany took her desire to give back to her community and turned it into the sixth fastest growing woman-owned company in the world. Listed by both Forbes and Fortune, Ariel is resetting the standard for what is possible for women and young people around the globe. Brittany Turner, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Yes. And we are connecting across the world right now. You are in Honduras. Is that right? I am. We're doing a mission down here. Uh, this is our fifth mission um, since Hurricanes Eta and Iota hit this place. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm sure the, the background of, of what you're doing and how you built this company will, will even inform us on, on the kind of work you're doing there today. But I'd love just to back up and ask, how did, how did you get into this? What were the series of events that led you to starting this company? <laughs> well, I have six companies now. So I started, wow. <laughs> I started out my, my vision for my life at 12 years old. I wanted to be a missionary specifically in Africa. Um, and so I worked five jobs at a time from 12 to 21 actually. And I would save all of my money so that I could go on these mission trips across the world. Now, one weird thing happened every time I went on these trips, instead of having this like amazing, holy, life-changing experience that all my friends were having, (laughs) they're like, yes, this is the best. I just love serving. I just got really pissed off. (laughs) And my anger was about how horrible these atrocities that I was seeing were and that we weren't really fixing them. Now, I'm not saying anything negative about missionaries. I'm saying I had a passion to actually solve the problem versus treat it topically, you know, band-aid it by feeding the kids for one day or one Mm -hmm. week or building them one school when there's thousands of kids living in this dump or wherever, wherever we were. Every single place had a different different problem. And again, I felt guilty, like, okay, this isn't the experience you're supposed to be having. (laughs) Right. But, but that frustration, I want to encourage your listeners, um, can be holy, can be the greatest thing that happens to you. Because when you feel frustration, you have the opportunity to just become bitter or a hater activist, or you can realize that you frustrated because you have a vision of a higher standard and that higher standard is is why you understand there's like a discrepancy like no it could be this way but it's here and so you can choose to take that frustration and 
and literally break it down step by step to say, why am I upset? These are the missing pieces. How do we take it from here to here? And it's not about changing another culture or something like that. I'm not talking about that for the haters that are going to try to connect to me. <laughs> I am talking about how every child deserves a safe home. Yeah. Every, every person deserves to not be somebody else's slave, uh, sexually or physically. I believe that every child deserves, you know, a good education and, and a nice food to eat or food to eat period. Sure. You know, those are the kinds of minimum standards that I'm talking about when I say we have the opportunity to create change. And so, um, one day I was in Costa Rica and we put on this little women's conference, which sounds fancier than it really was. Um, then at the end we were praying over every, every single person there. And I asked this one, the last little girl, I asked her, Hey, what's your name before we talked and prayed. And she couldn't speak. And I found out from the translator that her vocal cords were destroyed as an infant um, through sexual abuse from her father. Oh. And I found out, obviously I was, I was super upset. And then I found out later that one out of every four kids in this community that we were in specific community actually died of sexual abuse before they turned one year old. Oh my God. Kids in this region were just viewed as sex toys. And I was so just heartbroken over that, that I went back to my tent and I just got on my knees and I said, God, whatever it looks like, I want to do something about this. I want to make this not a socially accepted thing. Like I want to make this not a thing at all. And that's when I heard loud and clear, I'm going to take you out of the mission field. I'm going to put you in business. And I had zero desire to ever be in business. I'm telling you, you can ask my family. They were like, they were shocked. <laughs> um, and I, I was not amped about it because my entire identity was wrapped up in being this missionary. You know, I had gone from 12 to 17 at this time, just telling everybody that's what I'm going to do. And for my young listeners out there, it's your life. Who cares if you told everybody you're going to do one thing, if you feel guided and strongly about doing something else, like people will be like, well, you said you were going to do this, but <laughs> they'll get over it. You know, yeah. it's, it's your life is you're accountable to nobody, but you and God, if you believe in God, you know, this yeah. is, this is your life. So don't ever do something to, you know, just make somebody else happy because you're going to die alone. I'm just saying yeah. it, not in a, a ugly way, but in a freeing way to know yeah. like your life is yours. You get to make your decisions. And if enough people are, you know, mean about it, you can just freaking move somewhere bluer and warmer. So whatever, <laughs> just know that it's people will always, every season of my life, they're like, well, and I'm like, humans like to put humans in a box. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like a, it's an actual survival mode mechanism and when they put you in this box it's easier for them to predict behavior which means it's easier for them to make sure you don't turn on them in the jungle that's exactly and uh you know kill them yep. so it's just a survival mode but it's up to you to make your decisions every single day and we only know what we know when we know it and that's why no human can predict your future because they only know the past. 
Yeah. That's all they can see. And so you can wake up completely changed. You could have a car accident, change everything, a hurricane, change everything, winning the lottery, change everything, reading a book, change everything, meeting one person, change everything. So just, I want you to really, really understand the place of a human voice, no matter who it is, no matter what their ranking is, as a parent, as a mentor, as a friend, you're accountable for your own life. Nobody else is. So stick to that because that was one of the hardest things for me to overcome. Yes. When I made this decision was all the voices and some of the best advice I want to pass along to you is only listen to people you want to be like. And in that specific area. So one of my young mistakes was I would like idolize. I had this like girl that was, I was on a team called special forces and they were really hardcore missionaries led by green berets and just like these amazing humans. And I idolized this woman. She was just so incredible. And then when she, when I got to know her better and she was imperfect in like three areas and showed like all this weakness, I was like, ugh. And, <laughs> and this person that I idolized was like, crumbled in front of me in my mind. And um, so my point in that is whoever you are gaining inspiration from, feel free to pick and choose from people. So Mm. if you really like um, somebody's fitness advice, but not their marriage advice, just take their fitness advice. That's right. You don't have to take everything that they're saying and become that, you know, if somebody's incredibly overweight, but great at business, take their business advice. You know, if somebody's really amazing at marriages and terrible at money, take their, you know, so just get a collective group of people to, again, not become, but to draw inspiration and gain wisdom from so that your path is a little easier. That's the point of mentors, skipping levels and moving a little faster in life, but, but don't ever think this one person embodies everything they want. Yeah. Ah, so good. Yeah, there's so many things. If we can pause there, that I want to, I want, yeah. I'd like to circle back to. Uh, the first is is the way that I've always referred to it is eat the meat and spit out the bones, right? Where there's there's going to be meat in all of these different mentors, things that are very nourishing, things that oh, are that. true and good, but then we hit the bones, right? And it's like okay, that's, that's going to be true for everybody. And I, let's just spit out the bones. Don't spit out the meat. Right. Like, like you said, they have great advice on fit on, on physical fitness, but their yep. marriage is an atrocity. Can we separate mm-hmm. those? Can we mm-hmm. separate those? I mean, I even look at, uh, you know, Solomon in the Bible, right? Awesome wisdom. Okay. Yep. Can that be true? And he makes some terrible mistakes. Yes. Yeah. Can the same be true of David? Can the same be true of all these different characters? It's the same that's true in our life where we go, hey, oh, dad, I idolized you. And then I found out blank. Okay. Right. What were the things you really admired about him? And can you hold on to that? And then what yes. were the things that, that came out to be imperfect that you maybe need to forgive or confront or whatever, but it doesn't negate the other stuff, right? So uh, I really love that you're talking about that. I want to just spend a little bit more on that. When did you start to learn that about people you admire and mentors? Was that five years ago, 10 years ago? Uh, I know you mentioned that person in, in special forces, but 
Uh, <laughs> was that a painful yeah. lesson? Um, I think it just ended up being, it, of course it was painful. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely painful because it was like disappointment after disappointment. And they're like, yeah. wait a minute, why not just pick and choose? Why not just pick and choose what I, you know, it was just that, that this moment of inspiration inside my head, it was only listen to people you want to be like and in that specific area. And then the next level of that was, and only people you would switch places with in that Ooh. area. So, oh, well, my mom always taught me this and that's just why I am this way. Well, do you <laughs> want to be like your mom when you grow up? Right, no. Right. Well, then why are you hanging on to something that's an obvious weird thing to believe that mm. you know better, but you're blaming how you were raised. Like I know some really amazing people that were raised by really terrible people. Mm. And I know some really terrible people raised by amazing people. Your parents do not dictate who you are at all. Yeah. They really don't. They can inspire you because there are people around you, but you have TV, you have the internet, you know how to Google. Yeah, that's right. You can find other inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. They so, were like that. They were that initial coding, right? Yeah. They, they were kind of that initial uh, translation for you in the world. But then mm -hmm. as you grow up, you get to take a step back and look at it and say, what were they correct about? And what maybe they did they right. not know? And let me exactly up, let me update my programming. Right. Yes. Uh, I want to go back to what you said earlier, too, because this is around something very similar when you said you felt called into business, but your identity was being a missionary up until that point. And that that was the hardest part was the change of identity, or at least in the eyes of others. Right. Mm hmm. And this is something I went through as well. All throughout my twenties, I was in, uh, I was in, not not missionary, but ministry. Sorry, <laughs> couldn't find the word. I was a pastor, a college pastor, then a young adults pastor, a teaching oh, yeah, pastor yeah. for cool. my whole twenties, and felt the same thing when I turned thirty. That there was this whole other second chapter, at least, of my life, moving towards business, into coaching, into uh, something out there. And that was the hardest part for me as well, was the looks right. I would get and, oh, yeah. the, and the questions I would get. And they just assumed that this was a falling away moment for me. Oh, you know? yeah. Because you don't normally see people going that direction. It's like right. you normally see people going from, quote unquote, business in the world towards something like ministry. You don't see someone start off in ministry and then go towards the world. It feels like you're going the backwards direction, right? You're selling out. Yeah, it feels like you're selling out. And that was emotionally difficult for me. Money uh, is your God. Yeah. Yeah. And the assumptions people are making, was that, uh, I'd just like you to speak to that for a little bit. Cause I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. Well, Whether I, it's, Sorry, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, whether it's as specific as you and I moving from something like missions to, uh, to business or just in general feeling like, like you said, I told the world I was going to be a lawyer and then found out I didn't want to be a lawyer, but my identity and all the money I spent in that and whatever is in this area and now I'm walking this way and just people, what happens when people don't understand, right? What mm. advice would you give if people kind of look at you cockeyed about whatever you feel called to walk into next? Oh, if they just look at you cockeyed, you're in luck because that's easy. Because <laughs> that's not the <laughs> issue. It's when they create campaigns, slandered campaigns yes. to talk crap about you or kick you out of the family. Um, my family 
and talked to me for almost two years when I decided oh. not to go to college because th- that didn't teach what I wanted to learn. Um, and I have a great family and we're very close and we're very close at that point. And, and we weren't for a season. Um, so <laughs> wow. when, when you are dealing with that, you know, I had a a really hard time specific. I am a Christian, so I'm going to talk about it because I want those who, who are, and potentially have this same issue. Nobody talks about this because it's whatever, you know? Yeah, you're good. Bring it. I got most of my hatred from, from Christians same. and they would, they were really mean to me about, um, what I wanted to be. And I just want to encourage you guys that again, your calling is between you and God and you and yourself. So I had to, what I call Noah's Ark that ish, <laughs> which is you hear something from God. So for those who don't know the story, Noah in the Bible hears from God that he's to build a boat. Now this is before it had ever really rained before, especially rained hard. And this boat is going to magically save humanity when some great flood that, again, has never happened before takes place. This poor guy spends the next 120 years and sucked his family into it being the crazy boat guy building this giant monstrosity you know what that the neighbors thought about it too right right built this giant monstrosity for this flood that's supposedly coming someday so he does it he's made fun of his entire life and then the floods came and all these animals and his family were spared had he not listened humanity would be gone as we know it and because he did listen and were able, was able to overcome the people who didn't believe in him, he saved the world and all these animals. And life is how it is. So we're grateful that he was willing to not only overcome the haters, the disbelievers, but for that many years without any proof, continue to work on what God had put in his heart. And so many people, that, this is the like checklist of the world changers, by the way. There is a checklist. Yeah. And if you've ever raised your head and said, I want to do something great, or I want to do something that's never been done before, to my lin- millennials and Gen Zs out there, I'm talking to you because we've all said it. I want to do this thing that's never been done. Well, guess what? You're going to first have to overcome the disbelievers. It's like a huge part of the test yeah. is to say, are you willing to keep going when nobody else is supporting you? Mm. So I actually have a correlation in my head. It's kind of like that uh, crazy hot matrix, you know? Yes. <laughs> that video is hilarious. <laughs> There's a crazy hot <laughs> matrix on YouTube if you guys haven't seen it. Um, but this is the same thing. So there's a uh, crazy hot matrix and there's a high calling hatred matrix. So the closer the person to you that is completely either turning on you, hating on you, like just completely not supporting you, the closer they are to you, the higher the calling. Mm. And that is because of this Noah's Ark concept of you've got to have 
the ability to keep going and hang on when no one supports you in order to be given the next pieces of accomplishing that mission that you're called to. Mm. And if you're not willing to keep going, then you're going to get knocked out of the game earlier. So if it's some random friend that, or some person at subway that you told your idea to, and they're like, ah, stupid, you know, that's different than if your parent or your spouse, or, and I know that's a touchy one, yeah. but if somebody really super close that on paper should be supportive is not being supportive, you have got to make the decision then. So I had, like I said, family didn't talk to me for a long time and everybody said I was an idiot. I also decided to get into real estate in 2007, which is not a great entry point. Um, And then (laughs) 2008 and 2009, um, it was just a really rough road and I did look wrong. You know, I ended up believing them a lot of time in my heart that was that they were right because I'm freaking living in my car. Yeah. So that's just people yeah. in general. Now the the Christian thing was they were all saying like money's your god da 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 and after I started getting, you know, learning this and really being good at flipping houses in the very beginning of my career, I was like how long does it take you to make $60,000? They're like, well, I make $30,000 if I work really hard. This is like a barista at the time right, I was right, talking right. to. And it's like, well, I can make $60,000 in 45 minutes if I really try. Yeah. So whose God is money? Somebody who wakes up every day and sells all their time and has to ask off for vacation or to go on a mission trip, has to beg their boss who's in control of their destiny Um, If they had enough free money, they probably don't because they're just surviving to pay their credit card bills. So whose money is their God? A person who wakes up and serves for a paycheck every single day or the person who woke up, spent years studying how wealth works, how wealth creation and sustaining, sustaination, I'm going to call it works to where they can master money and to where money works for them and they can spend all of their time living their calling and serving their purpose Yeah, let's go. or creates a business that itself is a force for good. So it's double prizes. Your business is changing the world and then you're changing the world in your business and in your free time. Like yeah. which one's the more quote unquote, holy calling. So it's not a competition, but I'm saying, get that crap out of your head yeah. because God needs freed up people to be able to be his hands and feet on the planet. Um, It's our fifth time to Honduras and I'm meeting people who there's three classifications of poverty here. There's, there's poverty, there's very impoverished. And then there's a class called miserable. That's a real class here. Wow. And I'm not telling you to come out here and hand them dollars. I'm telling you to learn in one of the most easy to succeed countries in the planet, just because we don't have corruption, we have so much opportunity. We're one Google away from learning how to do anything. Take those opportunities, execute on them, create an education so that you can come out anywhere else and go create jobs or sustainable programs or the ability to feed people that are at the level of miserable. Once you get them up to poverty, they can even think about anything else. Yeah. And their poverty is different than our poverty. Yeah. So there's so much need in the world and there's so much resource and there's millions of people in depression every year because they 
are lacking purpose and they're lacking purpose because they've already solved all of their own problems. Now they're called to solve other people's problems and to be able to create a way for people who don't have the same access and they're not freaking doing it. Yeah. So let's go. Come on, Brittany. Preach it, girl. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the shit, the stuff that I had to, <laughs> I, I, it's my podcast. I'm going to say whatever I want. This is the shit that yeah. I had to get through. Um, yeah. even mentally, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, driving back. I'd gone out with, I'd gone to the lake with some of my closest friends. We all worked together in ministry and I was basically pitching them on my idea, uh, of leaving. And, <laughs> um, I already know that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, good, good for me, which maybe means my calling might not be as, as high as yours, but good for me. These guys were actually very supportive of me. I've literally been friends with them since I was in high school, you know, uh-huh. and they were actually really great. And we're like, man, I see this for you. And so, uh, they were a small group that was actually a safe haven for me where a lot of other people didn't. Um, that's really nice. It was actually nice. Yeah. I'm very grateful, especially hearing your story, but I remember driving back and one of the things I felt like was a confession. I had to confess mm-hmm. to them that this idea I had to use my skills and my talents to help people was going to make me at that time double what I had ever made in a year from working in ministry. Right. And I was basically <laughs> confessing it to them. Like, is this okay? <laughs> is this right? a, and, and I remember a friend looking at me and he goes, dude, what is, what is so mixed up in your mind about money? I was mm, like, wow, that's a cool friend. Yeah. I was, his name's Rob. I was like, uh, I don't know. He's like, did you make some weird agreement that you couldn't make money? And I, <laughs> I literally remember the day that I thought that like my dad, I told my dad, I wasn't going to take over his business when I was graduating college, I was going to go into ministry. And he said, okay, you know, that's a tough road though, right? Like you're not going to have a lot of money. And I was like, yeah, I think God made me that way. I've never needed money. And, <laughs> and I realized like that was the moment that I thought those two were directly correlated. That like uh-huh. for me to really give my life and service to other people, the natural mm-hmm. consequence would be that I would never have money. And wow. in that, in that month, in that moment, I realized that was actually never an agreement God made me, made me take. Like that was not, that was an assumption I made, right? That wasn't the deal. That wasn't the deal. And I remember mm-hmm. that moment started to go uh, retrain my brain. And I started getting really excited because I was like, Oh, I could do a lot more if I had a lot more, like yes. I'm, al- I'm already mm-hmm. doing something. So it's not like I'm going to wait to get more to do something, but right. how much more could I do for my family? My kids at that time, we were surviving off of $30,000 a year. And I'm in my mm-hmm. late 20s with two kids, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, this is stupid. I can't even serve them. And, and I'm, I've got brains. I could go out there yep. and find a way to create an impact that also has an income. And then what could I do with that income? You know, that kind of thing. So anyways, I just want you to talk to that for a minute, because I think a lot of people listening have that. I had this conversation with somebody the other day, uh, Lisa Piercy from 15 light years, um, and she was saying that she's had to go through the same thing mentally for her that to do good in the world doesn't mean you have to reject money. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Of course, um, it, it's so, actually like quite the opposite. That's like the lie that the other side, you know, whatever you want to call it, darkness, <laughs> Satan, yeah. whatever you want to call it. That's the biggest lie that good people believe. So I actually started a group called G-Force, which stands for Force for Good Entrepreneurs. I know that I could have thousands and thousands of people who would follow me to the end of the earth. If I started a real estate, um, 
you know, like a mastermind or something like that. But instead I knew I had to start a group called GeForce Bitches, Force for Good Entrepreneurs, so that I can teach these people who are hungry to make impact how you can be successful. We've been on the Inc. 5000 list twice. And honestly, it was just the two times that we applied for it. We'd probably win every year. Wow. Um, and I've won Forbes sixth fastest growing woman owned company in the world. Fortune number three, just company, not just woman owned company, but company in the United States for fastest growth. I know how to scale a business or six. And um, the biggest thing that I share with people, I was sharing this last night on GeForce is you can't give what you don't have. Come on. Oh, I feel called to give a million dollars a year to this organization. Yeah. Well, you don't even have 30 grand to pay <laughs> the minimums on your own credit cards every year. Right, so right. how can you, how can you accumulate resources to be able to be a force for good? You know, yeah. I own some really amazing assets. I lived in my car. I'm freaking fine. I'm fine living in my car. I don't prefer it. It was creepy. And I definitely don't want to do it anywhere cold, but I can do it. And I was still right. happy. The point is when money doesn't own you and stuff doesn't own you, you yep. own your stuff. You own your money because yep. it's not your identity. Then you can be entrusted with more. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to say this and I don't want to be challenged on it, but if you came to me and said, Bernie, you lost $10 million, I'd be like, all right. And you'd say, Brittany, you just made $10 million. A bit. All right. You know, I don't have an emotional reaction anymore. The only thing that frustrates me is loss of time and energy. Cause it's like, ah, dang, we got to do all that work again. But I'm the same Brittany living in my car, pulling pranks on people in high school as I am, you know, owning amazing, incredible resorts across the world. Like I'm the same Brittany leading presidents of countries as I am you know, when I pick up garbage or, you know, yeah. sleep in a, a dump, you know, like whatever it is, I'm the same Brittany. So money doesn't make me who I am. It just gets to enhance whatever's in your heart. So money does not change you. It reveals you. And we've all heard that, yeah, but it absolutely. really is true because it's just an expansion tool of the heart. If yeah. you care about solving poverty and you have the opportunity to be, go in and fund the creation of jobs or start a micro loan program that allows people to, instead of selling their child, which I have met people who have had to sell their child for $25 or the rest of the family dies, you can lend them that $25 yeah. and they can start an entire life. So that resource can go really, really far. So again, if you want to give people peace, but you don't have peace, it's impossible. If you want to give love to others, but you don't love yourself, it's not going to happen. It can't, it won't happen very long either. So you can't give what you don't have, not just money. Think about it. What is the gift I want to give in my one chance on earth? And then how can I make sure that I have solved that in my own life? Maybe not perfectly, but I've, but I've at least paid attention to it enough. I've been present to it enough to be able to share it with somebody else. Yeah. So I just want to challenge you all with that today. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. So I want to, uh, I want to get to the other side of this in terms of, let's say that we're hearing, hearing that challenge loud and clear and saying like, holy crap, I got to change my, 
I got to change my thinking on this. Like maybe I've made the same assumption that I can't do good in the world and have mm-hmm. money. And I'm realizing, man, the real, t- you said it earlier, the real question is, does money own me or not? Like that, that's always right. been, that's always been, whether it's in the Bible or philosophy or whatever, right. that's always been the challenge is people saying, just watch out how sticky this is, right? This. Oh yeah. You're going to, oh, you're going to get lost in this. Be careful. Right. Be careful. Right. right. So let's say that we see that. You know, and we get over that and realize like, no, I'm going to lead money. Money's not going to lead me. But I'm realizing this could really be a force for good in the world. What did you learn? Like you were obviously incredibly good at building businesses, at going out and acquiring resources, at and exchanging value, right? Um, can you teach us a little bit? Like how do you go out there if you're making that, that mindset change? How do you go out there and what did you learn about actually acquiring wealth? Well, first you got to change that dang mindset. And I'm going to give you a couple quick ideas on how to do that. Number one, realize that is the stupidest thing you've ever thought in your life. That doesn't make any sense on a practical basis or anything. That is just a dumb idea. What to get out of your head. The idea that money is bad. Like the idea that um, you can't, be a force for good and have wealth. Like those, that is so stupid. (laughs) So come on. all it is, is uh, literally if I had, I realized on one of my trips, when I started getting mad at God for some of the horrible things that I was seeing, I realized that God never, I mean, I think he did it like once in the Bible where he's like rained down manna. But other than that manna story, the Israelites wandering through the desert and like rained down bread on them. Other than that, God normally doesn't lightning bolt things into your mailbox mm-hmm. or lightning bolt down, you know, answers. So he'll give you maybe an answer, but he's not going to lightning bolt down the resource. Yeah. He calls people. Many are called. Few are chosen. Why? Because people don't follow through and they get lost mm-hmm. in all this weird self-doubt and self-hatred. To where they don't ever follow through on the mission. So they never actually make it. And I found like specifically Christians never don't, not never, but don't get that far because they have all these weird beliefs that money is going to change them. No, it's not. If your heart is pure and you are truly signed up to serve, all it's going to do is reveal your heart and allow you to do more. So don't ever think that it's different than that. Um, so get that crap out of your head and know that the more I have to give, the more I have to give. God always uses a vessel. Always, always, always. Um, I was talking to Tim Ballard, who's the founder of underground operation, underground railroad. And I, he sees worse things than anybody. You know, he literally rescues kids from sex trafficking and, and has to see these horrible things. And just listening to his stories, I was having my own doubts. I was like, how can you believe in God? And I believe in God my whole life. And I said, how can you possibly believe in God after seeing these terrible things? Yeah. And he said, Bernie, I don't know how you could do this and not believe in God. And I'm like, I'm having so many doubts right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm happening like, to me right now. Actually, well, how could you think that God is actually loving and lets all these awful things happen? And he said, Bernie, evil will rise when good men do nothing. Yeah. 
And the closer I get to those kids, it's almost like that hot and cold game. The closer I get to those kids. And in that moment, I feel God's presence so consuming that, you know, those children are on his heart. You know, he hears their cry and you know, like, like, I don't care what you guys believe. This is the story that he's shared with me. He's like, you can feel an all consuming love and peace. The closer I get to those kids, right. As some, you know, we're about to get some bad guy to go to jail for trying to sell us a child for sex, like knowing they're in that other room and feeling them. I know God's with them, but it is our calling to go find them. And if I didn't do this incredibly heartbreaking, difficult job, then they would forever be there. And there's Mm. so many people not doing their job and therefore people are suffering all around the world. Those who have been given much, of course, much is required. Of course. Yeah. Don't go, you know, collapse in on yourself like a dying star. This is not about you. And you're never going to be fulfilled until you figure out what it is that, that your gift is to give to the world. That's right. And so I'm known for my businesses, but what is real about me is that I am very good at finding my purpose and finding solutions to terrible atrocities and then executing on them. I've had a very cool career. I sound like, oh, I'm just a zero to 5,000. No, <laughs> no, I've been, I've had so much betrayal. I've had heartbreak. I've had, um, lawsuits. I've had haters. I've had to put two guys in jail for trying to kill me. I've had, um, I was in an abusive marriage. Like I had all kind of crazy stuff happen to me along my journey, but I named the company Ariel to keep the big picture in mind. Like, remember, this is not about you, Brittany. So it's not yours to quit on. Like this is an assignment that you raise your hand to be part of. And so you have to keep going because you could have been that little girl that sold. You could have been that little girl that gets re-sewn up to be resold as a virgin to these terrible people. Like, like that could have been you. And it's not because there's this amazing gift and grace on your life, but that gift and grace to be able to even live in America and have the kind of access to opportunities that you do, you have to do something about that. That's your responsibility. And I don't do it through guilt and shame. I do it through motivation and inspiration to have that opportunity. Let me ask you this with, with all the shit you've been through, which it makes me think of when I go, when I love your, um, your betrayal and, or, you know, hater versus calling matrix. I think that's awesome in my head. I wonder if it expands a little bit to just more than haters, but adversity, right? The haters are a subcategory of adversity because you've been through all sorts of adversity. And I think everybody that's, going for something meaningful goes through like a wandering period of feeling lost of feeling setback of feeling like everything is hard and against me right to get through it how did you keep going right like a lot of people hit those adversities and they get bitter not better right or they give up and go home instead of get up and keep moving forward how do you how did you keep going when you experienced all that craziness I mean, I wanted to quit every day for the first 10 years. It's only been like 11 years. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to quit forever. And I still think about it almost every day, but it's every time I really, 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 truly considered quitting. Like the first time uh, I had a contractor who started like doubling all my budgets. We, he, he bid on it. And then we'd start. And then halfway through, he's like, nope, we need more and more. I'm like, you're the one that came up with this bid before I bought it. And so I'm like, I didn't borrow enough money to keep going this far over the, but you really have to work harder to stay on budget. And he said, okay. And then that night I get 200 phone calls. I found out for the last three months, I'd killed myself to pay this guy. He didn't pay any of his subs, even though I was paying him that double number. He'd like run off with the money. He told everybody that I didn't pay him. And so um, I got my life threatened for the first time there for not. So I had, uh, I'd worked 18, 21 hours a day at this time. And I lost more than I had ever earned. So in that, I thought maybe there's going to be like $500,000 of losses and and paying people and trying to get these houses. Just all this terrible thing. He ran off with all the supplies. So I ended up college when I didn't have a million dollars to lose. And I definitely did not feel like continuing to keep going, especially when my whole heart was at that time, I just wanted to be able to build orphanages and all my money was gone, you know, 18 to 21 hours a day for years. It was like four years, all of it was gone. And I have all these investors money that I had to pay back. Um, and that's actually a pretty good part of the checklist of being a successful entrepreneur is when you have something trigger you wanting to literally go die in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, instead of feeling down on yourself, like actually that you all to think, Oh, I'm there. Brittany said this would happen. I'm not yeah. wrong. I'm not weird. This is just part of the deal. That's Cause right. I felt wrong. You know, it immediately we, we, especially if you're a good person, you're going to be like, what did I do? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember that first time I closed my eyes, I was literally crying, throwing up and all this stuff. And when I was crying, I saw that little girl's face that had her vocal cords completely destroyed. You know, I saw her face and remembered that this is not about me and I have to keep going because I can, no matter how many years it takes me to bounce back, I wanted to do something about that and for her. And it was worth it because that pain I saw, that, that hopelessness I saw in her eyes is something that I'd never seen that bad before. And so that's what has actually been my thing to keep going is I had found my quote unquote why so early on. And I knew I just had to keep going. But one of the best strategies I have for people, especially if you haven't had a moment like that or an experience like that is to write your eulogy. I talk about this a lot, but it, it's so funny. Like that was the exercise that changed my life. Mm. But, uh, after I got back from that trip, maybe it was before that trip, actually, um, same school. It's called Morningstar University. And this teacher came in, this leader came in and he said, today, we're going to do a kind of weird exercise. I'm like, all right, so we're going to write the story of your life. Now, again, I was a good kid. I still wanted to be a missionary since I was 12 and I had never really done 
literally nothing bad because I worked five jobs my entire high school and time to <laughs> either have time. if I wanted to. <laughs> Yeah, and when your identity is missionary, people don't like offer you drugs and try to do bad things because they just know. <laughs> um, he said, we're going to write the story of your life. It's called a eulogy. And so I want you to pretend like you're at your funeral. Look out of the audience. Nobody can see you, but you can see them. Somebody walks up on stage and reads the story of your life. What does it say? And when I wrote that, that's the moment I really woke up. I woke up. Because even though I had a lot of really good intentions in my heart, I was just a, a little prankster. I joked around a lot, had a lot of fun. Like just, I'm, I'm the whatever, Enneagram seven, I think people would call him. Like Let's I go. was the fun one. Yeah. I love making people happy. And, and again, that's a good thing, but I wasn't actually doing anything yeah. day to day that would make that story I just wrote down ever possible to become true. And I realized in that moment, I had to start living intentionally to be able to have the impact that I wanted to have. And so if you walk away from this call or this podcast with anything, it's please go do that because that is the fastest exercise to get all the should out of your life. Mm. All the things that people tell you, you should do the person they say you should be doesn't matter when you're dead but the story is written. So what do you want that story to be? And what ends up mattering now that didn't matter before will become very, very, very clear. That's yeah. the fastest way to find your calling and know your why. Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah. It, it, to me, the way I've always thought about it, or the way that it was presented in my head was going from autopilot to manual, right? That like, we end up kind of coasting through life on autopilot, not even being aware of the forces that are shaping us or writing our story. And then you have these wake up calls yeah. maybe through an exercise like this, that you kind of switch your life from autopilot to manual where you start making decisions, mm -hmm. right? That you go mm -hmm. up until today, I've been who I am on accident, but from today forward, yeah. I want to be who I am on purpose where I decide to yeah. cultivate certain things. If I don't have this, I'll go get it. Yeah. If I need to be more loving, I'll find a way to, to cultivate that in me. If I like, so for you being a seven, same thing with my, with one of my closest friends who was a seven, who was always the life of the party, always the funniest person in the world, but felt like he had not really cultivated focus. He had a lot of great things, but nothing that he was really focused on and giving his heart to. Right. And that was his wake up call. I'm a nine on the Enneagram. And my wake up call was that I was living the path of least resistance all the time. That as a peacemaker, as somebody that that can struggle with laziness, that I would I would follow the path of least resistance. And at some point, I remember reading about the nine. It said the nines often lack the animating fire in, within them to rise up and go grab their goals, to go live their life, to like truly. And that was like a wake up call to me. Like, man, I can keep living my life on autopilot, or I can figure out what the hell I'm here right. for. And I can, yep. you know, I, I can go and get it. And I was like, I don't have an animating fire. I need to go find it. Okay. And then I went and found it. And then now I have the animating fire, right? So now it's about going and grabbing <laughs> it. Good. And, and that's what I'm hearing from you is like, man, there's this opportunity to wake up and say, I don't actually have to keep living by the tides and the forces of parents, of peers, right. of, yeah. of my pain. Like that's kind of the voice of Pharaoh in a sense. Like that's the old voice that used yeah. to control me. When I quiet myself, when I go within, what is that holy voice that speaks out to me? 
that I usually have to, to be very yep. quiet. And then how do I stay true to that? How do I, how do I follow that voice wherever it may lead me? And my curiosity for you is, is there anything that you do on more of a daily basis that helps you connect with that voice or, or remind yourself who you are, what you're here for, um, and to not lose in the noise, you know, to get, to get kind of lost in the noise again and other people's voices and opinions and those kinds of things. Do you have anything you do more in this daily, weekly, something like that, that keeps you kind of grounded in who you are and what you're here for? Yeah, I have got to, to journal. That's like how God talks to me is I'll just sit and I'll listen and I'll write. I'll sit and I'll listen and I'll write. And a lot of times I'll write too and just get everything out of my head. Um, but I'll just sit and I'll listen and I'll write. And I get that. That's how that guidance happens for me. Exceedingly intentional about everything now. Um, not annoying, but I will not watch things that don't uh, get my mind in a place that I can serve better. Like, good luck. There's zero things that I'll watch that, that do not help serve the purpose. There's zero things that I listen to. There's zero people that I hang out with. Um, there's food. I don't eat bad food. I don't eat, you know, I don't, I just am mindful of what the heck I'm doing. I'm not flopping around like a dying fish. Like, that's <laughs> another way of saying like driving, you know, an autopilot, like flopping around yeah. like that fish. Yeah. Um, if we're not intentional, nothing will happen the way that you want to. And if you just wake up and think you're going to be fit by putting whatever in your body, you're wrong. Yeah. If you wake up and think that you're going to have health with doing that same thing, it's just a stupid idea. If you wake up and think you're going to be smart and surrounded by inspiring people who are changing the world, but you're not somebody that's changing the world, they're not going to keep you around. Yeah. You won't even have the opportunity to meet them because you won't even be in this room. You know, if you're not furthering your, your mind and ever expanding growth, like, why do you think that you'll be entrusted with these huge solutions? Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, so all that to say, I'm very intentional with my life and the way that I make decisions in everything. I mean, you can literally ask me the logic on anything and have 30 reasons. Um, and I'm not an annoying planner. It's just, I know my filters for being able to decisions. And because those filters, I took the time to get clear on them uh, there. I can move faster. Yeah. How is you... once you've beaten just waking up and having food and shelter, then everything that comes your way looks like, an opportunity, you know, an opportunity or a distraction. That's so good. How would you articulate your own purpose? And then the second question would be, what would you say is the primary kind of gift that you feel God has given you to exercise in that purpose? Ooh, really good question. Um, fastest way again to know your purpose is to write your eulogy. And then if you want a one word statement, then try to just summarize the theme that you're going for in your eulogy. So the theme, the recurring theme was to serve. And so I can summarize my purpose into saying, man, that's really what I'm trying to do. And once I realize that I don't have to be kicking in doors and like rescuing kids from sex trafficking to be walking in my purpose, because that doesn't happen every day. That's like yeah. a, a highlight, um, but it probably won't happen every single day. Um, once I realize that I have the opportunity to serve people in lots of ways, not just that one way, even though that's like the pinnacle way then I can find joy in 
going and getting somebody a water or uh, helping somebody fix up their house yeah. or, or walking them through a difficult season of life because that's what I love. So other people's purposes that we've seen when we do this exercise is like, all right, how would you summarize it? It's to worship. Uh, the purpose of my life is to serve. The purpose of my life is to give. The purpose of my life is to empower. But I really recommend you making it one word because then you again can feel your purpose. You can feel that high from walking in your purpose. Yeah. Every single day, all day long. So that is mine. Oh, and, I love that. And it's flexible. Yeah. I want to just hit on this for a second because yes. I yeah. think too, too often we get locked into an expression of our purpose versus mm-hmm. the substance of our purpose. So it's like, my purpose is to do this very specific thing. And if I'm not doing that thing, then I don't feel purpose or I feel lost or whatever, versus you saying, no, my purpose is to serve. And sometimes that looks mm-hmm. like this expression of child trafficking or whatever, but other times it looks like serving my neighbor or the person on my team mm-hmm. or the entrepreneur who's trying to figure out their life. And I'm serving in all of these different capacities. So it's very robust. I can do that every day and it can do it in a variety of ways. That's what I love about, that's what I love about what you're saying, because I I do think we should broaden, even though it's very specific, like you have one word, right? Serve, but it's very broad in its application that you could feel that you could be living intentionally and on purpose in a lot of different avenues. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. And I had, um, I went to this conference uh, not a conference. Sorry. I went to, uh, this workshop. Uh, there's a guy named Rob Bell. I don't know if you, have you heard of him, Rob Bell? No. Okay. He's also somebody that went through a whole bunch of, um, hate <laughs> and, and shit show as a person who was a, a pastor of a very large church and then, uh, moved to LA and wanted to help creative types. And just anyways, he's, he's awesome. Uh, but I went to one of his conferences or sorry, one of his, it was like a 20 person workshop in LA for people who are creatives and struggling to get their dream off the ground and whatever. And this person flew all the way in from Ireland and she was awesome and a super talented songwriter and wanted to write music and inspire people. And at one point she, she's, uh, he said, why are you really here? Why did you fly all the way from Ireland to be here? And she said, I've been thinking about that for two days. Why am I really here? Why am I really here? And she said, I think I'm here to ask you one question. Is it okay that my purpose is to write music uh, and not, and not uh, serve the homeless or something like that? And he was like, what? And she was like, I have so many friends doing these amazing things like helping homeless, you know, solve homelessness and whatever. And yet my heart burns for writing songs. And he said, do you have any unique uh, perspective on solving the homeless problem? And she's like, no. Do you have any unique solutions? No. Is God speaking to you about that? No. Well, then why would you be called to do that? That's somebody else's calling. You are doubting the value of the thing that's been placed in your heart and have not given your, you know, your yes to that to even see what way that could serve the world. And that was her breakthrough, right? It was almost like ridding herself of comparison that like mine has to look like somebody else's or that's the obvious that's the oh obvious, gosh, that's so good. you know what I'm saying? And I was sitting there watching like in tears for this person. I realized just literally traveled across the world just to have somebody tell them you can trust the voice yeah. in your heart. You know, Ooh, <laughs> how good so is that? Good. Yeah. 
But I could, I mean, so I could good. imagine someone listening to this right now, listening to you. And that's kind of why I bring that yeah. up. Like, holy shit, Brittany is just, I, I feel that way. I'm like, you're like Mother Teresa, but with a fucking business <laughs> suit on and a million dollars. And I'm like, you're this holier person, you know, like there's no way I can relate. You're out there. You're in Honduras right now while we're doing this podcast and still making time for me. Yet you're also representing someone who's saying, no, you really all, all, all the, God is asking you to do is listen to that voice inside of you. Yes. Find your purpose. It's so different. Yeah. And it can be different. It can look different. It can express itself in a variety of ways and still you be living your purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. It is supposed to be different and there's so much need across the world. And again, if it's writing music, that's your thing, but yeah. be confident in your thing. And guess what? Your thing is going to change from yes. season to season. Yes. I started out as a house. I started out working for free and living in my car, working for some house flippers. And then I became a house flipper. And then I became a new construction person. Again, everybody wants to put you in the box. She's the blank girl. She's yeah. the house chick. She's the chick. So my thing has changed a lot. Went from again, rehabbing to new construction to developments and multifamily to um, media production to what else have I done? Oh my gosh. Uh, and making documentaries around disasters to now owning a, an economic development disaster firm where I help nations and countries actually rebuild their country, either from poverty or disaster or war. And so how can I, I'm taking that missionary heart. My businesses have been my vehicle to learn and I still have them all. Come on. My, not just my vehicle to learn, but also my vehicle to fund everything that I want. Uh, it's not been easy, but it sounds cool. Right. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say that because nobody, I'm ne- not here to sound perfect. I'm here to say this journey has freaking sucked. Mm. It has sucked and it has hurt over and over and over again. But I, the one thing I've done right is not every day, but in the end, I did not quit. And I remembered what it was about. And I've dummy proofed things for myself by naming my company Ariel or naming things and like being strategic and being impatient. My impatience is I want to serve. So how can I do it in everything? I'm not just going to wait till I can someday live in Africa. I'm going to do it every day, wherever I am all day long with whoever I'm with. So those factors have really helped my career. I can't believe I'm on any of these amazing award lists. I can't believe that that I actually got to, to be around other amazing business owners, because for me, it's never been about business. Yeah. It's always been about serving and through serving, I can serve greater through my businesses. And, but I never lost my why I never lost my purpose, even in the stressful times. And I just want to encourage you guys, if your journey looks so different <laughs> And nobody understands like, that's okay. Whatever. Humans only know what they know. Like I said, and I started G-Force literally to like teach other forces for good. You're not crazy. (laughs) And not only are you not crazy, here's how to scale the crap out of your business so that you can impact greater. And Mm. we're going to stay focused on what matters most. And we're going to define what success, whole life success means. We're going to have it all. We're going to have the health, the wealth, the impact, the relationships, the achievements. We're going to have it all because you can. It's yeah. just a matter of intentionality. And most people don't wake up with any thought about what they really want. 
And you have the opportunity to do that. You know better now, especially after this podcast and listening to this, the other great work uh, this man has put together for you. You've got access to things that, that I didn't. And therefore you can go farther than me. And you can also realize it's not a competition. That's it's right. just about what you really want to do. Yeah. So take that and don't feel weird about yourself. Don't feel like you're not doing enough. Be encouraged and inspired to be able to go for it in your own life. Come on. Come on. By the way, serendipity, that was the, that was the name of my first book. It was the whole, yeah. it was the whole summation of everything I had learned in my transition was like, at the end of the day, just freaking go for it. Like whatever, <laughs> is on your heart, like go for it. Uh, so it's cool that we end there. I'm going to end there. I know you are overseas right now. You have given us very precious time. Uh, I have truly, Brittany, I can't express this. I have truly enjoyed this and been inspired by this, touched by this. Um, thank you for not giving up. Thank you for enduring all the haters, all the betrayal, the oh, just the bullshit, man. Like, <laughs> Thank you for rising above it and starting Aerial Group and leading others. I'm going to check out G-Force. I am going to check out more of what yeah. you're doing. If other people are listening to this and want to connect with some of the things you're doing, where do they go? How do they how do they find out and be a part of some things you're doing? Uh, at G-Force Mastermind is our Instagram. And I am at Brittany Turner on Instagram. Um, those are the best ways to connect again. To I also have a podcast called Broke to Woke, which is really, really, really fun. Again, we walk through either the life circumstances or the business tools I've gained to go from broke to woke. And so check it out. Um, would love to have people who want to, again, take their lives and businesses and resources to the next level of impact um, in GeForce. It's a really, really powerful community of people who are just dedicated. They're in all different levels and we're doing it together. Every single person either doubled or quadrupled their income during 2020. It was so cool. Whoa. <laughs> I was so proud of them. Yeah, I actually started it in March of 2020. And every single person, I was like right in the crash of crash. I'm like, I guess I have a thing starting businesses in the crashes. Um, and we, <laughs> we crushed it. You know, we, we learned new streams of income. We've, we shared what is working and focused on that versus what's not working. And every single member crushed it. I was so proud. So it, it does matter what you are surrounded with, what voices you're listening to. And again, if you can't afford a mentor in life or you can't afford to be in that room, then get on YouTube and, and listen to every single free thing that is out there. Like from broke the to woke. You want to spend time. Yeah, broke to woke's also on YouTube. But if yeah. you know, if you want to hang out with me, listen to my YouTube. If you want to hang out with Tony Robbins and you, you can't afford to pay his million dollar year coaching fee with a seven year waiting list, that he's amazing. But he's yep. got a ton of stuff on YouTube. Like listen yep. to this podcast. Like get your brain wrapped around everything that you want to do, and you can do it for free. That is the day and age that we're living in right now. So with that, thank you so much for having me. Brittany, holy, great. holy shit. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for making time for this. <laughs> I, well, it was my pleasure. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.